This is the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! The only podcast where the host actually admits to driving a minivan. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be And now your host, TJ. Welcome to episode 10 of the ever-evolving Minivan Dad Soccer Pod, part of the U.S. Fan TV Network. And we have evolved from having no introduction music to having introduction music with bad cutoffs to having where I figured out how to use the fade button on Audacity to finally having my own introduction, courtesy of hack guy Pat McCraney from U.S. Fan TV fame. And tonight's show, we're gonna it'll be... A couple of takeaways from Guernsey's 1-1 draw at Hastings United. A couple of takeaways from Roma's 1-1 draw at home against AC Milan. I'll do my five-minute homily on the Andrew Gutman scenario slash fiasco, depending on what side you're on. And then finally, we'll have our conversation tonight with Phil Bakke, who is from Protagonist Soccer. He is the founder of Seriously Loco, which is a El Paso locomotive fan podcast and and Phil's original podcast which was the Two Red Gringos podcast which is a Liverpool fan podcast. He's also a captain in the United States Army, an all-around great dude, so that's an enjo- that was a great po- conversation to have this evening. Mini Van Dad, Mini Van Dad, Mini Van Dad, Soccer Pod with TJ and in tonight, we'll segment of takeaways from games that I watched this weekend. The first one we're going to talk about is, going to, of course, going to be Guernsey. They're always going to be first because they're one of my favorite teams around. And they had a 1-1 draw with Hastings United at in front of 368 at the pilot field. Now, Hastings United coming in was in second place, and after the 1-1 draw, they're now tied or in third place on goal differential. Guernsey, after after the draw, they're 13th on the table. So realistically, I only have one takeaway in this, and that's when does the expectation... Had you asked me going into that game, if Guernsey got a draw, would I be happy? Of course they would. You're, they're playing second in the league, who is flying. They've only had... they've um, I had only one non-win at home this season. Of course you'd take a draw. However, in this game... In about the 60th minute, Hastings United did in a 1-1 game, and Guernsey was holding their own. On the back foot, more so than on the front foot, absolutely. But they were definitely holding their own. They, it wasn't like they were getting run off the field and they were getting lucky. It wasn't like Cal Stanton was making amazing save after amazing save. Um, frankly, he didn't... They, the shots they were, make, they were taking, Hastings, they were missing. So, but in about the 60th minute... Hastings United didn't take one red card. They took two in the matter over the course of about a two-minute time span. First one was for a second yellow. The second one was for a straight red for just an awful spikes into the shin, ankle, tank, tackle, which drew a straight red. So then you see Guernsey, who has been terrible on the road traditionally, is a mid-table team at best, sitting in a one-to-one game against near the top of the table, 30 minutes to get a winner. And frankly, they didn't come close. They had a couple of chances, but nothing 
amazing, nothing expected. And they were still on their back foot way more than they should be for a team that was up two. And I think Tony Vance nailed it in his post-game interview where he said the team was so was trying so hard to get a result, trying so hard to get a win. They were rushing everything. They got sloppy in their play. And Hastings United just has way too much firepower up front to play in that style, and that kept them on the back foot until the end. The last few minutes, it seemed like they finally figured it out. But they got a draw. So is the glass half empty? Because this is a game they conceivably should have won, being up two men for 30 minutes. Or is the glass half full? Hey, they got a draw on the road against a team near the top of the table. Again, they still haven't lost on the road since the beginning part of November. They finally get to come home this week for a home game. And I think at the end of it, I'm going to say it's half full. As much as you expect to win a game when you have 30 minutes up two men, this is a side again. These are games they don't figure in. And um, I think they, and I've said it before, they're on their way up. And I realistically think anybody who listens to this pod should drop the eight pounds a month. I saw about 10 bucks US and check them out on GFC TV. They do, again, it's an amazing production for one camera. They go on the road and cover the road games. They get the home games. And it's just, it's a great, I think it's a great project. And I think everybody should be in, should check that one out. And frankly, I think to check out highlights is seven pounds a month or for one highlight. Um, and if you want a, a single game is like 15 pounds a month. So for eight pounds a month, you get to catch all of that. So that's my plug for GFC TV. And that's the, all I have for Guernsey for Guernsey this week. The other team that I follow closely is Roma and Roma came away with a one, one draw at home against AC Milan. And the only things that the things I've learned, I'm still a new Roma fan. I fully admit, I don't know a ton about it. I know, you know, uh, Toddy, Toddy is the legend, and I probably butchered his name, so I'm going to get laughed at for that. But De Rossi's another one who has been quite the club fixture for years, and he's been injured this year. When I started following him, he wasn't playing, so it's not a name that I've really kind of caught on to, like Al Shawawi or um, Jekko or Robin Olsen or uh, Zanello. But De Rossi was back and couldn't have come at a better time. After the, the week's midweek 7-1 to humiliation at Fiorentina to get run out of the Coppa Italia, they needed a result. And I think with a loss or with another performance like anywhere near that, and it would have been the end for Di Francesco. But they got it out a 1-1 draw. And the takeaway is having the leadership back helps a ton. And when the leadership buys into the program, everybody seems to fall into place, and that's what happened for Roma. So it's not a lost season. Yeah, they're out of the Coppa Italia, which I think was their best chance at a trophy this year with Juventus focusing on the league or running away with the league and still in the Champions League. I thought Coppa Italia might have been their best chance, but they decided to have a performance nightmare for the ages at Fiorentina. They lost 7-1, to and they're out of Coppa Italia. However, a nice bounce back with a 1-1 draw at home against AC Milan. Do you remember the minivan dad's a rimba? He's got a minivan. Ah, 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 yeah.
now for my five-minute homily for the evening. Uh, we're going to talk about tonight. I'm going to talk about Andrew Gutman and his loan deal to Nashville that was canceled. And here we go, five minutes on the clock. Andrew Gutman, homegrown player for the Chicago Fire, went to Indiana University, won the Herman Trophy, came up, but like I said, came up through the Fire Academy system. Decides he doesn't want to sign for the Fire after finishing college, doesn't want to go through the draft, goes on trial with Rangers, doesn't get signed, but eventually signs with Celtic. With Celtic. And after he signed with Celtic, he was immediately put on a loan deal to Nashville. The problem with Nashville is Nashville is going to be entering Major League Soccer next year. Major League Soccer caught wind of this, wasn't real happy about it, and the next thing you know, the loan deal was scrapped, and... Now Gutman's looking for a new place to play. Rumor is Charlotte Independence, although I have not seen any actual confirmation of that. So, anyway, so Soccer Twitter was outraged about this. And I guess maybe in some degree they not necessarily uh, unjustified, but by and large, it's I think a lot of Soccer Twitter that was angry about it are people don't like MLS and don't like MLS rules. This is a case... Um, Maybe it was ham-handed the way it was it was carried out. But MLS isn't wrong here. And there are those that say, oh, the fire told MLS to do it. I don't think the fire has that kind of pull with MLS. I think MLS looked at this and found that this is a loophole that could be exploited again and again if you allow this to continue. Therefore, it's easier to nip it in the bud now. And here's the scenario, type of scenario I could see. There's a player that comes out of college, comes out of anywhere, and doesn't want to play for the team that developed him, or doesn't play for the team that drafted doesn't want to play for the team that drafted him. So they sign with some shady Macedonian or Serbian or um, Cyprus, a, league, a team there, and is immediately loaned back to the club they want. Well, that could start happening all the time. and But this is a league that values rights. Players... Clubs controlling players' rights because that's a commodity that can be traded. It's a commodity that can be used for other things. If a player doesn't want to play there, then it's up to the, another team to provide value for the rights to sign that player. And even for somebody like Jonathan Campbell from the Fire, who wasn't being retained, Seattle still gave him a future draft. It was basically more symbolic of they wanted the right to sign Jonathan Campbell for to negotiate with them. And they did that. But if you left this loophole open, this could be exploited again and again by signing with some team off the radar and then brought in. And I think MLS looked at it and said, nope, we're just not going to do this. Now, one of the arguments was, well, Nashville's not in the league yet. No, but they're going to be. And I don't think this is a one-year loan deal for Gutman. I don't think he's going to feature for... Celtic this year. He's not going to feature for him next year. Therefore, I think he needed to find a team he could play for for a couple of years. And it's not going to be an MLS because the Fire do retain his rights. Unless somebody wants to trade for him, then that changes it all together. But why would you trade for somebody who's going to, in theory, go play in Scotland ultimately? So I think they closed that one up. And the argument that Nashville should have stood up to them, they're not going to. They want a seat at the table. And they're and if you go in and you start 
pissing them off right away. There's nothing that's going to end well for them. So therefore, at the end of days, Nashville canceled the loan deal. Yeah, they were a little bit pissy with their statement. Oh, well, they were kind of ticked about it. I don't blame them. Gutman's going to sign somewhere in USL, and he'll be fine for it. Eventually, hopefully, he goes on and has a great career in Scotland. But the bottom line is, rights do matter in MLS because it's a tradable commodity. It's a value, something they can value for other types of allocation money and all the other MLS rules that nobody understands. But the reason, part of that is, in the United States, trade value matters. You want trades to happen. You want those types of signings to keep going all year so you can maintain the discussion. I mean, what was one of the lead stories in Super Bowl week? Biggest sporting event in the United States each on an annual basis. Anthony Davis wanting to leave. You know, the trade deals in the NBA was still one of the big headlines in Super Bowl week. That's why trades matter. Is MLS on scale? No, 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 no. Not nowhere close to it. But you want to keep those types of things open. You want to look at that kind of stuff. So, And now my five minutes are up, and that's my five minutes on Andrew Gutman. So... Minivan Dad, Minivan Dad, Minivan with TJ. And now I've really got to ask uh, Pat and Chris, who are responsible for these little segue interludes, to create a couple more of them. They're kind of fun to have break up the show a little bit and to introduce each segment properly. However, they made a couple other ones, but they had language in it that I just didn't want to incorporate into the podcast. So... Hey Chris, Pat, if you guys actually catch this one, make a couple more of those. Those are kind of they're kind of fun to have in between segments. And now we move on to my converse, my bar conversation for the week. And this week it's with Phil Bakke, as I said earlier, from Protagonist Soccer, from Two Red Gringos, and from Seriously Local, El Paso, Texas. Um, it was a great conversation to have with Phil. I think it's one of the it's always fun to have people that have a lot of things to talk about and. We spoke for another 20 or 30 minutes afterwards on things that we didn't cover on the pod, and I'll have to have Phil back again. So thanks again to Phil for the time tonight. And here, without further ado, is Phil Bakke from Protagonist Soccer, Two Red Gringos, and Seriously Loco. All right, and for my conversation over a beer tonight, we have Captain Phil Bakke. He is a man with many hats right now. He is a writer for Protagonist Soccer. He's a co-host, which is where I found him originally, with Two Red Gringos, which is a Liverpool podcast. And he's the founder of Seriously Loco El Paso. So, Phil, welcome to the Minivan Dad pod. And I guess, and I don't think you drive a minivan, and I don't think you're a dad. So, it's a unique <laughs> situation tonight. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm breaking the mold, but uh, I do appreciate you, you know, inviting me on regardless of my dad slash minivan status. That's all right. One one day you'll one day you'll figure that part out, hopefully, yeah. for you. Um, <laughs> all right. So my first question I always ask is because I always say this is a com- like the the premise is a conversation over a drink. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm drinking a, a I'm sticking with Texas, uh, you know, representing Texas down here. So a Shiner uh, Day Quencher. Um, it's one of their sessionelles. They just uh, they just put out. So just a nice easy drinking beer for a nice conversation. I think. That's uh, Shiner. I've having been to San Antonio many t- several times with the army. Right. I always love going down there and get and grabbing Shiner. It's definitely underrated. I think overall as a beer in in that sense. Um, as for me tonight, I decided to go after the cold we had this week. I decided to go with Alaskan Brewing, and uh, tonight okay. I have Icy Bay IPA. Again, for an IPA, it's 
relatively smooth. It's relatively easy to drink. And and that was just because the other reason why is the beer I was, I was looking for when I picked up the uh, Alaskan was Noon Whistle. Because my brother-in-law just started as a brewer at Noon Whistle this week. And I was going to oh. grab that. But, they're, but the IPA they, that I wanted, they didn't have any. So I'm like, oh, all right, I'll look for something else. That's too bad. <laughs> all they had were, were uh, sours. And I'm for all the beer I like, sours are the one thing I'm probably just not a fan of. That and bourbon the bourbon uh, ones. Yeah. <laughs> I can uh I can totally relate because that is I, I live that same struggle of kind of sours being the trend and I just I can't I can't do it. Um you know I I kind of acquired the IPA taste, especially being down in the Austin, Texas area the last couple of years before coming back out to El Paso. Um they're very, you know, heavy on the on the pale ales IPAs and um yeah. Uh, really got a taste for those, but yeah, the sour, I just, I can't do it. I don't, I don't know. I've tried and I just doesn't work for me. And, and I concur that I concur with hundred percent. I've tried, I've had a couple that are, are tough, but it's just for whatever reason for me, just really never got to be my thing. I think though, the only one I found I kind of liked was, um, Avery Brewing had one I kind of liked, but that was, and I know Chris and Pat are big apologists for the, El goes from Avery. <laughs> me not yeah, so much. Me not so much. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So we're we're getting into preseason. Um, it seems like everybody's getting their camp started. So I'm going to start with with your big project, which I saw you guys just posted this week. 94 clubs, 94 previews, 10 yeah. writers, 13 conferences how do you pull something like that off? I, I, I got to add, cause that to me, I'm like, <laughs> wow, I was thoroughly impressed and amazed with, and it really comes down to the whole protagonist soccer concept, everything you guys are doing. The fact that, like I said, you guys created some throwback shirts and your guys seem to be looking at history as well. I'm a history major. So that hit my, I'm like, Lord league soccer, respect to history. This is in my wheelhouse, and I've talked about your pod, your your website before. I know you guys are doing some pod stuff with it, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, I I needed to get you on because I really wanted to ask about this. I, I th- when I started this pod, you were one of the first people I thought of after I got through when I figured out technology because me versus technology is scary. <laughs> I, I'm like, because I wanted to hear about protagonist soccer. What was the concept? How did this all come to be? Because I'm I'm truly fascinated by it. So protagonist at its very like core is just a bunch of people who are are passionate about the lower leagues um so at it you know with with all of the kind of ideas and stuff that get thrown around and and the things that um you know so much discussion around around lower league soccer is about other stuff than the game itself um there's all the talk of you know business and structure and 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 all that that happens on soccer Twitter. Um, but so many people talk about that and neglect what's actually going on, the clubs that are actually being, you know, going into business and and trying to to create something special um, down in the lower league. So we we basically saw the fact that, you know, there were some outlets out there that tried to do uh, lower league coverage, um, and some really good ones too. midfield press, uh, sock takes, like there are some really good outlets out there that cover, uh, you know, the second, third division, but the amateur levels never really had that 
you know, outlet that was truly kind of dedicated to that. Um, and yeah, so it's just a group that's kind of organically grown, um, from, uh, just a, you know, a few, a handful of writers and, and really it was the, the brainchild was, was Dan Vaughn, um, who, uh, Twitter knows as soccer barista. Um, and so he was at, he's actually down here in El Paso as well. So it was a night, it was kind of a, kind of a turn of fate that we ended up, um, co-located and just, we're, yeah, we're, trying to along with a bunch of talented people who are doing it, you know, purely as a passion project, uh, covering the lower leagues and the, um, the NPSL project in particular came about from a, uh, a partnership with, with the NPSL, um, kind of going on as formal kind of media partners. And, uh, that took a lot of cooperation from the clubs as well. So it's just, kind of linking, you know, the media that covers the amateur game is a bunch of, you know, at protagonist, it's a bunch of people who are just passionate about it and do it for the love of it, which kind of mirrors, you know, the players, coaches, owners uh, of lower league teams who they're, you know, they're not obviously not in it for the money. um, And they're just doing it because they think, you know, that they can create something special at the at the lower levels and kind of build a project as we've seen um in some places across the country so yeah that's basically what we kind of mirror that um that that passionate approach to to soccer um for the love of the game basically and i like i said to me this is (laughs) i'm like going i yeah I, i can't can't wait to try and deep dive into all of it in in all my spare time um to get catch what you guys are catch now, how many of the team and I, how many of of the teams that you covered, was was there anyone that stood out that you were, didn't have that much expectation? Where you learned a ton, where you're like, whoa, this is this is kind of a cool story that I never realized I knew. Or were most of the ones that you covered specifically? Did you have an I? Did you kind of go, yeah, I kind of knew that already. So being being in Texas, um, as I've kind of dug into the you know more into the lower leagues um the tech texas's expansion has m- more been on like the upsl side and it's been a little um i don't want to say lower level because you know there's not really levels but um but i learned more about the upsl because those were the clubs that were close to me um so the npsl uh and and kind of digging into that over the last uh few months um I had always had, you know, kind of knowledge of what was going on, but uh, I am covering for this preview. I I wrote about the Keystone Conference, which is, you know, New Jersey, um, Pennsylvania, um, kind of that that region um, of the NPSL. And so I learned a a ton about some really ambitious clubs that have done a lot of good work in the the one of the national finalists um, from last year's NPSL national finals FC Motown, um, from Morristown, New Jersey, you know, they, they made it all the way to the final with a former fire player, Dilly Duca, um, leading the, uh, leading the attack. So, um, yeah, there's some really, some really crazy stories that you can find in, in the NPSL. And, uh, and so that was, that was a big one, just, a kind of a, they they beat New York Cosmos B to make it to the national final and um, 
so it was a very you know kind of an upset story as well because obviously the old uh nasl teams have kind of dominated the npsl since moving down and uh so anyways the the team that really struck me though and i've i've written one article about them already and then uh they'll be in the preview as well as uh philadelphia lone star um and so they they're a team that was founded by uh, immigrants from Liberia because I was always confused why they were called Lone Star because I always associated that with Texas and not not Philadelphia. Um, and so it was founded by Liberian immigrants in, in 2001. And uh, since then, they've just you know kind of continuously grown and, and provided opportunities to players. And uh, now they're... Uh, last season, they finished second in the conference behind, you know, the eventual national finalists, uh, FC Motown. And they're a very ambitious club that have a lot of plans. Uh, they play in the city limits of Philadelphia. So there's a lot of opportunity there um, for exposure, you know, and, and potentially growing that club as well. So, yeah, there's there's a ton of cool stories in the NPSL. And it's it it's pretty surprising when you when you dig down and, you know, you find out. Wow, you know, Dilly Duca is still plying his trade uh, down at the amateur levels. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. And and I and I'm glad I'm glad he is still, you know, getting to play. And there is a point where you'd realize that, hey, I may not be a professional anymore, but I'm going to keep playing at the highest level I can. Um, and I recall I refereed the game, the indoor final for Glen Ellen. I mean, I know you know this area pretty well. Yeah, and. Um, it wasn't McBride. It was, uh, Mike McGee showed up on one of the teams <laughs> and apparently, apparently, and he was rostered the entire season. Apparently I'm like, you're kidding me. That's great. And apparently these guys also rostered McBride because they knew him as well. Wow. It's a team called <laughs> old town. I mean, they aren't, obviously you can, you can grit. Right. And it, but it, it just, but there's a point where it's like, Hey, they still love to play. Yeah. Why not? I play, you know, I, I played indoor in a house league. We were the worst team in the league for years, but I got to play. <laughs> so I still, I still enjoyed it. Yeah. So that, that to me was, um, and that to me is just like, I, I get why they do it. Um, right. And I recall Lone Star a couple of years ago, didn't they were, they made a nice run in the, in the open cup, if I recall correctly. Um, I, I think they, I think they did. I actually can't. That's, that's I'm where sure. I first that's where I first remember reading about them or hearing about them was with the open cup. Yeah. And um and maybe it was just a first round game or whatever, and that's how their right. story got out there. And yeah. you know, I know Philadelphia is looking for an actual soccer team. You know, they they've got the union, but they're actually looking for one that can play. So all right, <laughs> I, all right, leave that one alone. <laughs> somebody somebody will get ticked about that, but um <laughs> no, But I, uh, I do recall I do recall hearing about and it's the same thing. You, you know, you talk about Lone Star and you're going, wait, they're in Philadelphia, not Texas. And I know they confuse people and it, it's kind of like FC Motown. Wouldn't you think that'd be Detroit? That that is. Yeah, it's, <laughs> there, it's a conference of misnomers. Um, a, but yeah, that's what I, I didn't think. Morristown, New Jersey doesn't doesn't spring to mind when you say Motown. But when uh, I guess when the club makes it to the <laughs> to the national finals of of their league they can call themselves whatever they want this is this is true and then my <laughs> beloved my beloved minneapolis city were in the finals last year made it made it into the playoffs last year if i recall correctly yeah yeah they uh they i 
I think they ended up suffering defeat in the playoffs to their rivals, Duluth. Um, Correct. That Correct. was a, a tough in one pe- to take. In penalties. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> they did not lose in regulation all season. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, unde- yeah, undefeated season up there in the north. So, But, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, digging into the NPSL has been crazy because there are so many, uh, uh, there are so many good storylines and, and just a lot of, you know, just solid, ambitious clubs that are that are trying to provide players with opportunities and uh, and you know coaches and and uh, staff and all that stuff and and just build something local and special and affordable as well for the uh, for the fans. So sure, it's good and stuff. It, it it absolutely is. And yeah, I know you mentioned UPSL, and I know around here UPSL we have um, what a um, I, I mean, the, I, the team I identify with probably the closest around here, other than the Bavarians, because that's who I grew up playing against, is uh, <laughs> in, in Illinois, it's probably DeKalb United. I just, for whatever, they, they strike me as a fun team. For I don't know why, but they, they do. Um, and they, then, uh, I mean, DeKalb County, like, credit to them, because they found a way to incorporate corn into their badge and make it really cool. Like, <laughs> I don't know how they pulled that off. Wasn't what's the one in Nebraska? There's there's one um, that did oh, the same thing. Bug eaters. Bug eaters. Yeah. They have the tractor and it. Yeah. And that totally worked. It, <laughs> and that and, that, and that's why I I can't wait to really read some of these previews because um, you you're saying MPSL usually what you know about them is how many different uniforms they have, all their marketing around that and th- and those right. sort of things, and what they're doing in the and some of them for what they're doing in the community, you know, like uh, for MPSL, like Detroit City who's going to MPSL Pro and what they do in their community. Fascinating, phenomenal stuff. Absolutely phenomenal. But mm-hmm. it's I'm, gr- I'm glad that there's going to be an outlet where I can start looking into, like, what do these guys do on the field? Right. What kind of games, you know, and that and that's going to be interesting as well. And you said UPSL, Texas seems to be a UPSL state, you said. Um, there. There's a NPSL and kind of a, a PDL presence as well, but it's definitely the expansion in the last three years has has been pretty heavily UPSL, um, and I think it's just a the you know the cost entry is is a lot lower, so it's a lot easier for teams to get started. Sure, and then and especially if there's now of course two teams in Texas can be a thousand miles apart. We, we know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, having teams, regional teams as well, that that's got to be an appeal to it as well between the low cost. And then the fact that you have several games that aren't expensive to travel, I would think has to factor in as well. Yeah. The, the biggest uh, kind of pocket of teams is right in that I 35 corridor from, from Dallas and the, you know, the Dallas like Metro area mm-hmm. um, down to through Waco um, to the areas like kind of just north of Austin and then Austin and and San Antonio. So that's been a really big uh, UPSL kind of expansion area just in those few pockets kind of up and down uh, 35, which obviously driving on 35, not the most enjoyable experience, but um, but the the travel costs are definitely not um what they would be you know if you're asking a team in in houston to make a a trip to odessa or or something like that 
Well, versus having to go all the way out to, say, San Diego, Tucson, Phoenix, something, you know, something right. like that. Right. It's a lot. It's a lot more cost effective. So. Yeah. All right. Shifting gears here. Let's. Um, exp- USL expansion fever. El Paso <laughs> locomotive. Yeah. And and I've got to ask you about it. And I we talked about this before we came on. Is my son would be mad at me if I didn't because he is a train aficionado. And he, so seriously, local El Paso. Yeah. I mean, what, what's the, what's the ambition? I mean, is this just uh just the fan fan podcast that every, every club should have. And I think almost every club does have in some capacity and that level. Is that what you're, what's the ambition with that one? That's uh that's definitely kind of what it's, what it's starting as. So I wanted to see what the, demand and what the kind of interest was in in producing something like that um and so the response the response has been good um i think uh you know obviously once the season gets started and it's a little more visible um then it'll be a little different but um yeah it's just providing that the i think the one thing that or the one big difference between you know, what I see for protagonist and then what I see in covering the, I guess it's the championship now, the USL, um, it, it has, you know, obviously I think by its very nature, it's, it's much more, it feels much more, um, kind of corporate if, if you will. Um, it's a lot less of that kind of indie approach that, that a lot of the amateur clubs take. Um, which is fine and, and understandable because it is, you know, it, there's a lot of money being being put in and, and all that. But um, I think the one group that can often get lost in the shuffle is is the supporters. I mean, um, as we we've seen kind of across there's in different situations, uh, supporters can be kind of an afterthought uh, at, at certain organizations um, so I think it's important to have that voice, um, kind of out there and with a team now in, you know, with me being in El Paso and, and, um, having spent time here before I, I know quite like I now have, you know, uh, I know people in like different walks of life and all that stuff and people who are really excited about the team. Um, and so it's just, uh, something for El Paso to, to really own. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know. I think the team, the team will be good for the city and, and, um, and then being able to keep the supporters kind of in the, in the four, in the, you know, not, not put on the back burner basically. Um, and, and just always kind of visible and, and heard, um, by the, the team and having an outlet to, to be a little less serious as well um than kind of you know traditional media outlets and all that stuff that's just that's all we're all we're trying to do with with seriously loco are do you have any but like um like when i started this podcast the one that inspired me was other like and it was mike florio's podcast because it's it's a foot his is football obviously but he likes to take it off the rails and talk about other things and it, there's hmm. really no set piece to it in that sense, was there a pod that you kind of looked at and said, Hey, of the ones of that you looked at, you said, this is the one I'm trying to, you know, I'm looking at, I think would be where I'd like to go with it. Kind of like 
but like what kind of shell or what kind of um hey these guys they do a great pod and yet they you know the club helps them i mean so on and so forth is there anybody that you looked at and said they've got a good setup i want to see if i can mirror that in terms of success level or involvement or that kind of thing well um I guess I guess in terms of that, I mean, there's a there's a bunch of great of great like fan produced uh, USL specific podcasts out there. The one that the one that like springs to mind is uh, this is silly from St. Louis. Um, that's and a good went, one. And you went right where I was going with it because I'm <laughs> not a St. Louis I, fan and I listen to them. <laughs> yeah, and that's a I mean. St. Louis, I was basically, you know, born with with hate in my heart for every St. Louis sports team. Um, but what they've done out there with St. Louis FC and the, and the kind of the the whole St. Louisans, uh, just the whole vibe around around the team is uh, it kind of gives it that less serious um, feel where they don't, you know, everything is not um, stodgy and and um kind of formal it's you know the it, it, at the end of the day at the end of the day it is it, it's a game um and so you should be able to have fun with it uh so that that is kind of the the vibe i think that i'm going for um but also the the other thing that i'd like to incorporate into it is just kind of the match day experience stuff um so you know following the supporter the supporters groups around and just kind of being able to post like videos and and stuff like that from from match day and just i don't know like i think i think the the romance a lot of the romance of you know when we started paying attention to the sport you know i don't i don't know exactly what like got you going but just the for me you know you see uh, you know, I was into like English football first and just seeing the supporters all meet, you know, out at the the pubs and everything. And then they're singing and walking to the stadium and, and all that, like the that romance of just the the match day kind of experience uh, is was a big draw for me. And I think bringing that to. The U.S. game where we have a bunch of like where the where the stadium is in El Paso it's right downtown so there's a bunch of bars and everything like right there and we can actually you know the supporters groups can like do the the march you know to the stadium and and all that stuff so i think i think there's some some very cool opportunity um with our specific kind of setup down here in in El Paso and just showing that it exists and and that El Paso you know has this kind of vibrant community as well um just all all of that uh kind of motivated the the beginnings of of uh of the podcast so i and I, I presume you've got the supporters groups in your corner has the club been have you worked <laughs> i have um has the club been responsive with you so far or i haven't really or have you not really reached out to them yet to see what kind of involvement they want to have like you we talked about the luigans a little bit and they yeah. have the they have the club support you know they right. they work hand in hand with them which you'd love to see um every every supporters group do because when they do that that's when you see magical things not when you see the adversarial things like we see up <laughs> around here yeah um, and i and and you know and, and anybody who follows me on twitter knows I'm not on the club side necessarily, but I'm not necessarily in the supporters group side because I was one of the in one of the original supporters groups with the fire mm-hmm. back in the late 90s. Sure. And it was a different atmosphere. 
It wasn't right. nearly, it was a lot, I want to say it was, it felt a lot more welcoming. It felt a lot more like the Luigans, like what you're looking to accomplish down in El Paso. Just, mm-hmm. it was goofy. It was silly. Hey, you wanted to come and drink beer. You came and you drank beer. You had fun. You cheered. And that was it. Right. There yeah, wasn't, the, uh... there, there wasn't an agenda to it. If the club <laughs> won, we cheered our tails off. If the club lost, we cheered our tails off. That was, right. it wasn't. It wasn't, I want to say, for lack of a better term, as American in that sense. Like, (laughs) and I feel like, and I don't know how else to describe it with, especially with how Section Eight here is because they haven't been good, and they haven't been. Has the club been run effectively? Not necessarily. Not going to get, but I'm not going. But my point out of that is, if you're supposed to be the biggest supporters. You shouldn't be protesting. You should be cheering louder. You should be trying to get more people to come out and try and raise the interest level anyway, in my opinion, and and trying to make it more, hey, when the team sucks, you party harder. (laughs) I mean, you you, you know they're going to go and lose, so you might as well party beforehand. But I don't know. Maybe that's just me getting, as I get older and look back (laughs) at it. So. No, I, uh, so I think... I mean to answer to answer your original question the uh the club has been like surprisingly responsive actually <laughs> so um it's uh we had a preliminary conversation when the uh when the team was first announced because um I just kind of did the whole um well it's a, I guess it's a very <laughs> Uh, a single a single dude move and slid into their dms uh when they first announced the team uh from the two red gringos account because we talked you know we uh, if i guess you know you you've listened before but yeah the uh like we try to talk about el paso too because that was how that was how the whole thing got started um was here was here in el paso so um we try to bring that kind of local side of it into it as well although that's got gone a little bit off the rail since my co-host lives in mexico city now but um (laughs) (laughs) but the uh yeah the when i reached out to the to el paso usl at the time um just when they had just announced you know that there would be a team um the whoever ran their social media was like we actually have been following your podcast and want you to like be involved type thing, which was a very flattering thing um, to hear, I guess uh, because we had caught somebody's attention. And, uh, but ultimately now I, I wanted to, to make it its own thing. Cause I didn't really want, you know, I didn't want two red gringos to drown, to drown out. Like if I'm, you know, if we're talking about Liverpool stuff, uh, I didn't, I didn't really want that to, to kind of interfere with the coverage of, of Loco. So, um, so yeah, starting seriously, Loco, the, the club's still been super helpful and, um, we'll actually have like press credentialing and stuff, uh, when the season starts. So, um, yeah, it's a kind of a weird <laughs> move because I I'm just not used to I'm yeah you know, with protagonists I've gotten some pretty cool opportunities to go watch games and and get access to to players and coaches and stuff like that but it's a it's a little different when um it's professional and it's being held in you know a a, a proper stadium and 
uh, with kind of national media coverage and broadcasts on ESPN plus and all that stuff. So yeah, um, very cool opportunity. And the club has been responsive. It's not like I'm going to like, you know, use their facilities or anything like that, but I, I, uh, think we'll actually be able to have access to the, um, to the staff and the players and all that. So pretty, pretty interesting opportunity for us. And you said, and you said it feels corporate by, by nature. And, and I, the first thought that came to my mind was like, well, doesn't it have to be, it's a lot bigger of an enterprise or bigger of an operation. You kind of have to be corporate if you want yeah. to be, to be on that level. I mean, realistically. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, the, t- the team is owned by the same, by the same group that owns the Chihuahuas, the, the AAA baseball team down here. Um, and it's the same facility. They're going to be using the baseball stadium to start, um, they do want to to build a uh, a soccer stadium down here, but that's still a couple years away. Um, but for a AAA baseball team, obviously, you know, just the one step down from from the majors. So it's uh, it is a pretty significant organization, um, and the the ownership group and all that are are still fairly accessible, and and uh, so. I, I don't mean to use corporate in too bad of a way, but they, uh, yeah, they're, they're extremely professional, but they also, they also are accessible. And, um, the, the GM actually is a, is a Liverpool fan. So he comes down to the bar to watch, um, to watch games with the, the El Paso Reds are, uh, our little local, um, Liverpool supporters group as well. So yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they, they're, they're corporate to a point. Uh, well, and, but they and still I, and, have a good time. And I honestly didn't mean it, and I apologize. I did not yeah. mean it negatively. No, I meant what, it I, more like I meant it more like, well, you kind of have to have a corporate feel, or else it's <laughs> really probably not going to work. Yeah, when absolutely. you're in the business of creating a soccer product, and I, I don't want to say in the business of making money because I don't believe, I don't realistically believe in this country. There are many teams out there looking to make money doing this. I think yeah. everybody, there is. There is a there is an ulterior motive, and typically it's going to be passion for the game. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure my the fire supporters, if those that do listen, will go, "Oh no, they're just out looking to raise the value so they can sell it." I don't buy it. I I don't buy any of that. I don't think anybody gets involved in soccer in this country if they don't have, if they at least like the game or had some purpose. Even, right. and, I, and I'll even go a step further. Even the Kraft family, for example, everybody, you know, oh he hates he doesn't know anything about soccer. I don't know if he does. I think his kid does. And I think he's used that as a way to train his family and his mm-hmm. others how to be, to work, you know, let's face it, the New England Revolution are a $250, $300 million, which at, at most enterprise. Right. The Patriots are worth 3 or $4 billion. I'm sorry, if you're going to turn over the keys, that's a good <laughs> place to get them some experience doing, running a sports team. Right. And, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> So. I, uh, yeah, I think, uh, it is, it is interesting to, um, just speaking of the kind of the enterprise side of it, it is interesting to see the, um, the change between, uh, the owner, the ownership group here in El Paso, how, uh, there's a lot more responsibility, uh, running a USL side, mm-hmm. uh, than there is in running a, a, a minor league baseball side because, you know, minor league baseball, you, the players are, you know, uh, signed by the major league team. They're paid by the major league team. 
they all of those decisions are made uh you know by the the parent club um so they ultimately are you know there to give the players the facility and sell tickets like that's you know and merchandise like that's kind of what they are they're they're more a marketing company than anything else um whereas you know usl team independent structure all that stuff um so it's it's interesting to see them have to kind of find their way in the soccer business as well in terms of you know all of a sudden you're independent you know you're the one in charge you've been handed the keys to the (laughs) to the to this uh to this venture and it's uh it's not you know no one is there to make the decisions for you so it's all just uh you know them kind of finding their way too so it it is interesting because it's not um there is no set path for (laughs) for soccer teams in the u.s of these are the the decisions you must make or or these are the the things you must do it's uh everybody's still kind of figuring it out i think and uh, i it's you just raised something I'd never thought of, but when you look at the USL teams that have come from a minor league baseball background, and you look at the way they market their teams, they're all really good at it. You, you know, and you start thinking right. that that use that started with the baseball stadium, you know, and I think Las Vegas Lights, I think you know, like Louis, <laughs> I think Louisville City, I think Reno. I mean, yeah, you think of the ones that use the baseball stadium from day one, which means they had some tie into minor league baseball background, and they had. They, it's like they knew what they were doing from day one in terms of marketing. The soccer yeah. part they may not necessarily have, but the fact, well, Louisville City obviously did, but my right. point being is just <laughs> the marketing piece, which I think is the more important piece when you're establishing uh, a USL, I guess, USL championship side, we, as mm-hmm. we should refer to it. Yeah, right. USL side. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. USL. <laughs> yeah, it'll always um, be. <laughs> USL, USL one or whatever, yeah. <laughs> or no, USL one's the... League one? I don't know. But now yeah, now the league one, I guess. Sure. But that they have that part down and and it serves to their advantage. Um so okay, so as we go into the USL season, what are the games you're looking at going, I need to get to that game like in uh, uh with locomotive are there games you want to travel to see? Wh- which ones are there? Where do you need to go? You're like, I need to go see a team this team, I need to go here. What's on your what's on your hit list uh, aside well, from the home games? So, yeah, there's a so there's a load of a ways that I would love to go to. Um, I don't know how realistic it's going to be, um, but the uh, I mean, we you mentioned one of them already because uh, Las Vegas, I think, would be uh, would be great, especially now that the, the a team managed by Winalda um, and run you know just as like at the height of you know like the bill Vec, uh like crazy marketing schemes um that i think would just be highly entertaining and plus uh i think i think they've got a, a really good squad out there especially you know now that they've got a season under their belt especially um and uh Without the without the El Chile distraction, <laughs> yeah, I mean, of it, him firing off heaters the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it still remains to be seen whether Winaldo will be a distraction, but uh, <laughs> he I, seems like a he seems like I mean, he truly, you know, obviously he he's deeply knowledgeable about the game and and will I'm sure he'll get down to business, you know, when uh, when when it needs to. I 
I have a soft spot in my heart too for for Colorado Springs. So mm-hmm. traveling there would be would be nice, just because I also still have friends up there. You know, Fort Carson is right there. So uh, uh, I didn't even put that one together. Yeah, you're 100 <laughs> percent spot on about that one. Yeah, and then uh, and then the the new kind of burgeoning rivalry amongst amongst you know it's two expansion teams right kind of down the road from each other is uh, New Mexico United. Um, so it's kind of a natural, natural local rivalry, you know, local in terms of the USL, um, rivalry. And, uh, and there's already kind of a, a nice little animosity building between the, uh, supporters groups, not in a, like, you know, um, not in a physical altercation way, just in a, in a more of a banter kind of way. Um, and there's just a, a nice little kind of, rivalry brewing there and uh there's some some people who have been involved with uh albuquerque's um pdl team um like fans of that team the soul um Mm -hmm. who who are you know now kind of transitioning to new mexico united and um so that'll be that'll be fun both the away up there and then their game here in el paso um because we'll actually meet a bunch of people that I've known on, on Twitter for, for a long time. And, and I, I tell you, that's one of the appeals of doing this pod, just kind of to take this different is the number of people that like, like yourself, for example, that I've become friends with on Twitter. I've never met in real life, but here right. I get to have a conversation and sit and BS soccer with you. And it's like, this is really kind of cool. Um, no, and I, and I never would have thought of Colorado Springs being, but I, I guess, yeah, for Carson, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then for me, like I said, I'll get out to Phoenix Rising this year. This that's my that that we're we've already mm-hmm. planned on. I'm, I'm I'm excited about that, and I've already started giving their Twitter feed a hard time. Like, when are you putting tickets <laughs> on sale so I can get my tickets? Darn it! We actually we my parents live out in in Payson, which is two hours north of Phoenix, and okay. we're gonna go out and see them in March. And it's they play the switch. And the reason why I thought is they play the switchbacks that Saturday night. We're there. Oh, I asked my, I asked my <laughs> wife, I go, Hey, can we stay another day? Or yeah. can we, can we do it? She goes, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> so we're going to go see Phoenix rising. I'm very excited about that. Um, That's and a, good, it's, a good club out there. They, sure. and I talked with Cal Cal Kepner about them for most of the time I had him on and I'm like, yeah, he, I'm ex- their, their project excites me. And, yeah. um, and locomotive excites me too, because, um, it, you know, Fort Bliss is right there, and mm-hmm. you know, so there's obviously you know that part, but yeah. Um, to me, it just I never when when they announced, I'm like, huh. And then I started thinking about, it, I'm like, no, this is not a bad idea because hasn't there always been talk about um, with El Paso of Liga Liga MX coming up and and trying to sneak them in or something along those lines? <laughs> yeah, there, they, I mean, uh... you'd always there are always rumors if I recall correctly. Now, or I would just talking to the wrong people one or the other no it's uh so with with Juarez right across the right across the border here um most most people who live here or you know who are natives uh have ties to both cities because I mean up until very recently uh in a you know (laughs) if you take the longer view up until about 15 years ago sure uh you could go back and forth without you know without a passport there was no there was no real restriction. Um, and you know, if you go even a little further back, there's, you know, a bar that, you know, would be 
half in El Paso, half in, in Juarez. And, um, it was just kind of a free back and forth, but pretty much everybody here, uh, who's native has, you know, family in one or the other and, and lives in one or the other, but it's, it's, it's very much not a big deal to go back and forth. So, um, they got, uh, their, they've had many clubs over the years in Juarez, uh, that have, uh, failed in the past for any number of reasons. The most recent one being, uh, uh, Indios, um, which was, uh, that, that club basically fell prey to the cartels, um, and eventually it they were relegated and then lost all their money and and had to had to fold so um so the the owners of well some of the owners of el paso locomotive actually own fc juarez uh which started in 2015 15 maybe 16 was their first season yeah 15 um, and so they, uh, they started in the second division and they're still, they're still in the second division of, of Mexico right now, but they, uh, they are having a pretty good season. So yeah, but, and, and we know, at, and as you know, and we, we both, I know you're big in the pro realm movement and with, uh, us soccer mm, and, yeah. and, and it, I don't know how much, you know, with me is I'm not against necessarily pro well. I just, I don't see the reality of it at this point because money talk. And and if yeah. you think it's bad here, it's I think it's equally bad in Mexico. It's how much money do you have? Do you want to get to get promoted that way? That's about <laughs> the only way you can do it. I swear. But yeah, um, that yeah, their their system is is pretty terrible. Um, I do I do laugh when um when the like pro rel advocates on on Twitter point to Mexico and say like look look at all the opportunity, um, and uh, it it's one team gets relegated from Liga MX and one team gets promoted. Um, and you have to meet a, a, a crazy amount of, of, uh, different guidelines that including, including financial, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's financial and it ends up being, um, it's, it's stadium capacity. It's financial. It's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of restrictions and, and with only one team moving up and down, each year it's they try to very tightly i i'm not i don't want to outright call <laughs> league mx like corrupt um but no, you you it, probably can there there's a reality yeah. to that there definitely yeah. is and didn't they not promote and i believe they're actually shutting off pro rel for a couple of years yeah because... they talked about letting it uh like they said the second division wasn't kind of caught up to the the standard and needed to needed a few years to to get right before they could do it again well the only thing i think that the second division in mexico has and i and i wouldn't and i my spanish is so bad i can't i've got a minor in german it really doesn't help me any in that case <laughs> is i i would want to see maradona in liga mx just doing bumps during the game <laughs> doing bumps during the game <laughs> they uh i mean he went to the right team like him when they announced that he had taken over a team in Sinaloa, that just I, I was speechless. That's like the hub of, <laughs> like you know. So all they all they need is Marquez now to yeah. complete it. Yeah, that would just that would be the that would be the icing on the cake. Um, they actually did make it to the like his team made it to the um, 
apertura final this year in the ascenso um and uh so they may have a shot at at getting promoted at the end of the season but <laughs> I, I swear that'll they, be that, I, and, and i talked about it during the world cup on us fan tv but any team maradona is managing you need to have a camera on him all the time because yeah. you just don't know what's going to happen next with him and like i said he could realistically be doing bumps and nobody would Nobody would think less of them for doing it. They wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. No. No, so speaking it. of, so go ahead. Um, I'm going to kind of change directions a little bit here, because speaking okay. of bumps in the road, <laughs> we're going to move to your other passion, Liverpool, mm-hmm. and a bump in the road today Yeah, <laughs> with yes. West Ham. You know, this is my, f- I, I'm excited to have you here because I'm, you know, when I have Chris and Pat and I've had, um, Ben, Ben Grishan on, they're all Arsenal apologists. I need, I need to have a change of pace here. So I'm going, <laughs> I need, I need to go to Liverpool. All right. <laughs> and, and the fact that, and you know, it's funny. It's when I had Pat on, Pat is an Arsenal apologist. No question about it. Yeah. But the problem is him and I have the same belief. We both have man crush on Jurgen Klopp. So we, <laughs> he, he can't fully hate Arsenal like, or Liverpool, like a, a good Arsenal fan does. Because he likes Jurgen Klopp, and and right. I and I concur with that one. I love Jurgen Klopp. I love what he's doing, but what's happening? West Ham. So I want to I want to say just from the start, like I think to put this all back into perspective, uh, really. So the last two games, it, you know, Leicester and West Ham were the draws. West Ham now, I think are 11th in the table so not quite you know not quite top half but they also started the season extremely poorly um i mean they played liverpool the first game of the season and it was it was a four nothing win at anfield walk in the park um just completely tore them apart and i think this west ham team is a very different prospect uh than the one we faced then um i think pellegrini has them playing pretty good stuff um they're extremely organized compared to what we ran into earlier in the season and uh they were they were dangerous on the counter as well now i think we're we are starting to feel um the few absences for injury that we have especially um trent alexander arnold Joe Gomez um, at center back, even Lovren being out, I think was a little bit of a was a little bit of a detriment. But today, the uh, the absences of of Jordan Henderson and and Jeannie Wijnaldum, which I never really thought I'd be lamenting, um, but they've they've proven to be extremely important for us. So, yeah, it's a it's a tr- it's a tough stretch. Um, but I put I put on Twitter just a little bit ago uh, from the two Ray Gringos that you know if this is if the low or our tough run of form is is two draws to to tough kind of mid table teams, then I'll I'll take that because six days ago City lost to Newcastle, so I'm um, I'm trying to maintain you know just a kind of a positive perspective uh, from here. You know, and as one of the running gags I always talk about is if we only had this machine that could this device that could look up all this information and <laughs> currently West Ham just just seeing they're sitting in 12th and okay um just ahead of, um what is it tied with actually by in 12th behind Le- Lester on goal differential oh, okay. goal differential yeah. so <laughs> if you want 
And <laughs> so, so you don't you think it's injuries more than the pressure uh, at this point, or is it a little bit of? Might it be a little bit of both? I think I think there's um, I think there's a few things. Uh, I think I think the injuries definitely play a part because I think I think there's certain players who allow us to play. Uh, allow the rest of the team to play the way they want. Um, but the, I think the pressure might be starting to tell uh, a little bit. I just think, I just think that uh, the last, the last couple of seasons uh, Liverpool have needed, have needed wins uh, on the last day of the season to, to clinch uh, top four and, and champions league and everything. Um, I think they've been, you know, under pressure before to perform, um, in these situations. And, uh, and I think that it's more so teams are finding ways to play this, uh, against the system that, that Liverpool have, um, have used this season, um, with West Ham's goal being a, a great example of just kind of learned, um, behavior, if you will, in that Liverpool, on uh, free kicks where they expect the 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 opposing team to deliver a, you know a ball into the box um, rather than shooting you know direct on goal uh, um, from those free kicks they play an extremely high line and try to catch they try to use the offside trap to catch people offside on the on the free kick and it's worked a, a bunch this season um, it's been it's been funny. Like we started joking about it, uh, watching games just because, um, it was like clockwork. Every, every free kick, you know, every set piece, they were catching somebody offside and it was just, it was working like a charm, but West Ham watched that, saw that. And so they look like they're going to deliver this ball into the box and they play a short, a short ball out wide. And every Liverpool player who's lined up to defend a header, was completely caught out. Um, and then the shot, the shot goes right in the corner off in off the post. So, um, I think certain teams are going to find those certain behaviors that have worked so well for Liverpool all season. And, um, they're gonna, they're certain managers and, and certain players and certain teams at certain times are going to find ways to, to, you know, dull, dull the edge. Um, and unfortunately Lester and Lester and West Ham found, found ways to kind of, keep us down. So of the two, of the two big ones, Champions League or the Premier League, which one if you had to choose one, which one? It's it's the Premier League for sure. Um it's it's gotten to the point where it's just been it's it, it's kind of a a collective fan base uh dream where now it I don't want to compare it to the Cubs because it's, uh, you know, it's certainly not that drastic. Um, but in terms of the expectation of the fan base, it's been it's been far, far too long since since they've won a league um, for having, you know, 18 league championships, having their last one be in uh, 1980 or 1990 is, uh, you know, unacceptable. Um, so. I, I would say that most Liverpool fans are are hoping for the league just because it it would get the one the one big kind of monkey off off of the club's back uh, so that they can focus on um, you know just doing just playing football instead of uh, focusing on 
you know the history and 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 all that isn't it kind isn't it kind of ironic because the only term i can think of is that with man city it's probably the opposite at this point that it's they need to have champions league success versus premier league success in liverpool it like you said it may be the opposite for that very because of the fan base and that it's been that many years it's kind of kind of interesting dynamic that way it it will be interesting too to see you know whether that affects anything um in the in the run in if if there are um opportunities for uh city to try to really grab the champions league by the scruff of the neck you know will they risk players um in the in midweek that they don't play um you know in the league then um the problem with city is that they just have such a good squad that is so deep that it, I mean, they're bringing people like Mares and, and De Bruyne and uh, <laughs> off the bench. Um, and uh, you know, they can, they can have their pick of, of who plays and, and who rests. So they could, they could easily, they could easily do both with that squad. Um, I think it'll just be a matter of whether, cause last season we saw that I think they were very, the league was done. They were very focused on the champions league and then, and then Liverpool kind of <laughs> spoiled the party. So, um, so I think it, yeah, I, did, I didn't feel too bad about that. Not just, no. <laughs> no, that was, that was some of the best, uh, some of the best Tuesday afternoons of my, <laughs> of my year last year. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it'll be very interesting. I think, I think it's important. Like we are now that we're in the second half, it's very easy for, kind of the the narratives around it to be you know like oh it's getting down to the wire and everything but there's still still 12 games to play in the league and a bunch of champions league to be played and uh city's gonna play a cup final here to uh you know this month in the in the league cup so they they have a lot going on and and i think ultimately liverpool's gonna try to remain as kind of singularly focused as possible although it will be a a very uh, I think enjoyable uh, Champions League tie against against Bayern, um, who is actually my my sister's club. So there's a little uh, feud in the in the amongst the Baki siblings right now as to <laughs> who uh, who should advance. When, and you kind of gave, made made an easy segue because I was the next thing I wanted to hit. I got two more things I want to touch on before we go here as we approach the hour mark, and one of them is. Your team in Germany, Dresden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did, you, how did you find them? And how, yeah, how? I, I kind of need that story <laughs> because I, you're the only one I know other than me that that would say my favorite team in Germany is a Bundes is a second Bundesliga, you know, team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I found them just by. Um, I had I had relatives uh, that that lived in Dresden and and have since you know they've since moved and, and all that but uh, they yeah they um, it wasn't even like the main branch of the family because uh, if if I followed my my like um, my most recent I guess branch of the family that lived in Germany I'd be a I'd be a Dusseldorf Fortuna Dusseldorf fan mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, yeah, I uh, I found out about you know this branch of the family that was in in Dresden and uh, just I um, read about the I read about the club and I I started you know like a lot of Americans like we we end up on YouTube and just like seeing 
the really seeing the culture around it and just like the atmosphere in the ground and um, all of it just was so kind of new new to me when I was when I was still kind of learning learning the game and and just uh, discovering it and so yeah um, that uh, that whole kind of culture and everything just was really cool to me and so yeah I, I I started following them and it's been it's been a wild ride uh, for <laughs> for Dresden fans over the last uh, over the last about. Well, I mean, I guess ten years. It's been it's been up and down, but it's uh, it's looking more up than more up than down these days, thankfully. Yeah, and um, because that was one year, and you said and Fox was the Fox Soccer Channel or whatever their Fox Lot Soccer to go or whatever. Yeah, that's where you, and that's where you get to watch them these days. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, the Match Pass I think is what they call it now, and um, it doesn't it change names like every twenty minutes? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I, I don't know. But they keep my credit card on file. So, you know, no, that's, that's true. <laughs> so, no, the uh, yeah, that's that's where all the games are. It's it, it is nice that they that they actually because up until a couple of years ago, they didn't actually broadcast the, the two Bundesliga. They just did the uh, they just did Bundesliga mm. on there. So um, when they started packaging them together and and all that, it's it is nice to be because there are some like very uh there's some very historic and and just like good clubs that that are down in the second division and um it's uh, to me it's an extremely entertaining league to follow because uh every every win and draw matters so much because all of the teams are separated by you know a few points here and there um, so you can be competing for promotion one week and battling relegation the next. It's just, it, it is a, uh, it, it's one of the most competitive, entertaining leagues in my mind. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the table right now. Cause I wanted I saw that, um, union lost today to St. Pauli and I'm like, oh, okay. And in real, and they were tied going into the game. So, I mean, it was just that I think union had them on goal differential going into today and St. Pauli is now up up to second. I mean, it's just <laughs> the first, uh, you know, Hamburg in first place with 40, but the top 10 or, or the top eight are separated by 10 points. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you said, every game matters and every game, it seems like it's going to be against contender and you're not going to have, you know, other than the couple at the bottom, like English shot, it's like there, there aren't a whole lot of them that are really that bad out of this. So, right. Um, yeah. It, 10, 11 points separating first and 10th, first and ninth. It's that's, yeah, that's competitive. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> and the fact, like I said, when you were like, you were talking about Dresden, I'm like, Hey, I like union. This is okay. Yeah. This is, it's funny. We're like the only ones that out of Germany, that's where we go to first. So, right. all right. And the last thing is you're a gamer. I know that, or at least you play, you, know, you play a lot of video <laughs> games. I <laughs> Less less now, I think, than I used to, but yeah. And what I mean, you, is FIFA one of them that's in your wheelhouse, or do you kind of stay away from that because you watch too much soccer to begin with? <laughs> um, I uh, I used to be a very like avid FIFA player, um, and it's it's kind of it. I've kind of fallen away from it just because of the emphasis on uh, the whole like ultimate team and and all that. Mm-hmm. It's just I've, I was always kind of a, you know, a career mode 
kind of guy that was always the draw was, you know, making the transfers and, you know, setting up the team and and playing the games and all that, not the, uh, you know, kind of fantasy, whatever that, that we got into. Um, Okay. And uh, yeah. So like now that they haven't really, they haven't really improved (laughs) the career mode since, like 2012 so so i've kind of i've kind of fallen off uh i'll I'll disagree i'll disagree a little with that i think the um the career mode now the in 19 versus whatever 17 16 or 17 when i got the xbox one originally Mm -hmm. i feel like it is it's it is better um yeah with the the negotiations and some of that those pieces not just salary it's what role what role matters what bonuses do they want and all that kind of stuff and i feel like that's um and then the other part of career mode I've become a fan of because I I do play nineteen and I use mm-hmm. FC Carl Seitz Jenna. Oh yeah, which is a third of it because yeah, it, being like down you, in the down in the third. <laughs> down, and, yeah. and you, but you you hit the nail on the head. It's the build the club up and and, and bring them all the way through. To me, that right. was fun. It was funny as hell. And I have <laughs> and I've got Georgie Mahalovich. I've got uh, Chris Durkin. Both <laughs> both of them. Um, I think I'm picking up. Brandon Bay from New England Revolution is like, why would you go to a German third? Hey, I but Brandon Bay, <laughs> Minneapolis City fame, you know, got to bring him over. So yeah, um, yeah. But there, there are elements I do like to like yeah. that versus. But you're right, the ultimate team being this such a big. I tried it, and it, and I, I just thought it was because I'm getting old. It just confused me, and I'm like, eh, I'm really not that interested. So right. I went back did career mode. Yeah. Is there any team on because this was kind of where I was going with it? Is is there any team that you found on FIFA? That you follow in real life because you found them on FIFA originally. Uh, that I actually um, back in FIFA. Gosh, it would have been I guess twelve FIFA twelve okay. maybe. Sure. Um, I that was kind of when I started playing online a little bit <laughs> and and trying to see how I could stack up, and that was with the online seasons where you know you use like a real team and all that um and uh not that napoli team um where it was uh you know cavani hamshik uh oh yeah gosh just like uh, it was a it was a wild uh team and just so so strong um so i i found a lot of success playing with them and uh and so in terms of teams in Italy that I pay attention to, I don't I don't like follow them, follow them. But that was definitely one where I gained an affinity for a team based on how how well I played with them in FIFA. OK, <laughs> I I was just I, I'm curious about that because that's it, one of those things. It's like to me, it was always fascinating to me. Like I found Dagenham and Redbridge. I'll at least pay attention mm-hmm. to their Twitter feed because of that. Um, FC Carl Seitz Jenna now um, I've used Union in the past. Uh, so to me, it's just like you get to try different teams and you get to build them. Um, right. Uh, what is it? UCD, um, University College Dublin is another oh, one. Yeah. The Irish. I, they just got promoted back to the Irish First Division. And yeah, I it, like I said to me. And but you, but you've moved, you've moved past FIFA, haven't you? For the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And that's the one part of being a dad that I can say. I haven't moved past FIFA, and that's because video, shooting video games do not seem to be a popular thing in my house, so I stay that's, away from it. <laughs> and that's that's for the best. They, they won't probably, be a popular thing in my house when I have kids either. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, so we're at 65 minutes, Phil, and I I can't thank you enough. As I as ever, I'm I'm always consider myself lucky that I've got friends that want to come on and talk soccer with me. I I appreciate the time. I appreciate all the knowledge and everything. Uh, can't wait for for protagonist soccer to drop their to drop their their preview issue, and I I'm I'm gonna dig into it. I'm gonna read all as much as I can so I can learn a ton. And um, you got any? You want to give all your Twitter feeds so we can make sure that we get every you know everybody to follow because I. I you got a, you got a bunch of them, and I think they're all yeah. they're all outstanding. So I, I want to give you the give you the props on that one, Phil. Well, I, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um. So my personal ones at at Baki Balboa. Um. And uh, it's just B A K I, and then like Rocky. Um. And uh, then you can follow definitely follow protagonist US at protagonist USA. Um. And that uh that first part of the NPSL. Um, we're going to drop it in chunks. Um, so it's not going to be just, uh, one giant drop of <laughs> the entire preview. So you can digest it, uh, a little more easily. So, um, I believe the golden state conference is dropping tomorrow. Um, so check that out. And then, uh, uh, for Liverpool stuff, it's at two red gringos. Um, and then for the El Paso Loco or, or any USL fans, really, um, it's at seriously Loco, but seriously abbreviated, <laughs> like, uh, I don't know, like, like aim in the, uh, in the nineties and, uh, seriously Loco EPTX. Um, you can find us there and that's just going to be, uh, a, a variation between serious, uh, locomotive news and memes so i mean that's kind of all of my accounts so check yeah. out whatever whatever floats your boat and the meme and any anybody who does memes or gifts well that, that that's a bonus in my book so phil thanks again for the time i do appreciate that we'll have to do this again someday maybe maybe we'll break into army talk and and bore the crap out of everybody so <laughs> yeah no thanks so much for for inviting me on it was a blast all right thanks phil and let's and thanks again to Phil Bakke for an hour of his time tonight. It was awesome conversation to have, like I said before. So, anyways, we come to the end of tonight's show, the show for this week. Don't know if I'll have one next week. I've got some serious Army commitments coming up, so the show might go on hiatus for a couple weeks. We'll see. I'll try to fit a show in, but who knows what the time commitment upcoming. But thanks again to Phil for appearing tonight. Thanks again to Pat and Chris for creating the segway, the segways that they created and again to pat for creating our new intro music so this is the minivan dad soccer pod which can be found at minivan dad pod i can be found at tj zaremba and the show is available on itunes and soundcloud if you go onto itunes give it a five-star rating so it can be bumped up and let your friends know about it if it's something that you find interesting it's a whole, you know, it's kind of like, I don't want to say it's Seinfeld because it's not funny like Seinfeld, but it is a show about nothing. It's just soccer nerds talking about soccer. So more soccer, the better. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll close this week's show with a little bit of Hill Street Blues from from Mike Post back in 1981. Thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.